Yeah, you want to start with just a few things that will help make sense of the morning. Um, we have some prayer stations set up in different parts of the room this Sunday, and they will be up for the next couple months. Uh, we also have a prayer room that uh, literally this room was built around. That prayer room was designed to be the center of our new space, to be a picture of prayer keep being the center of what we do here at Cornerstone. And we want you to know that's just a, a place that you can go up and just respond uh, to what God is saying to you as we spend some time discussing different ways to pray over this series. You'll find different ways to pray up there. You can write a prayer request for our city, which certainly needs prayer. If you're burdened for something in the world, you can uh, write a prayer there. If you have personal prayer requests or things going on in your family that you'd like other people to pray for, you can fill out that and put it in the right basket, and, and uh, our prayer team and others would be glad to pray for you um, during the week. And so during worship, before and after the service, you're welcome to use those stations. And then the prayer room is open during the week. So we just want you to know it's a resource for you. It's a peaceful place to be. It's got a beautiful view. And um, it's just a place that people can take advantage of uh, throughout the week. We haven't really highlighted that since we opened the new building, but we wanted to let you know about that uh, during the series. So that's the first thing. The second thing is uh, you can get a copy of the prayer that I'm gonna pray at the end of the service. A lot of times people feel weird about praying prayers, prayers that have been written down. But they help us. They can help guide our thoughts. And so um, as we're th talking about the prayer of authority today, uh, this prayer might be helpful for you or just a reminder this week as you're spending time with God and seeking prayer in your own life. If you text that word authority to that line, you'll get um, that prayer back to you. And again, I'll be sharing that at the end. And then lastly, uh, just a reminder, <clears throat> um, Kylie mentioned it, but we're talking about a subject today that can be frightening to some people. Um, you know, it's always fun as a pastor when you spend time talking about like the, the subjects that make people uncomfortable, sex, spiritual warfare, money. It's like, oh, great, here we are. But we wanna let the parents know that so that um, you can make some adjustments if you need to. I can tell you uh, all four of my boys are welcome to hear this message today, but we have a great kids ministry. You can still check your kids in there. Um, they'll have a lot of fun today. So just wanting you to know about some of the subject matter. I am gonna talk about Satan. I'm gonna talk about demons. I'm gonna tell some personal stories. And um, again, I think it's important for kids to know, but at a certain age, um, you, you know, parents are best discerning and deciding what their kids need to hear. So I wanted to give you that chance. I'm gonna pray and uh, we're gonna get into a heavy subject today. So Father, thank you for this day. Uh, we pray for your spirit. We pray that um, your spirit would protect this time, protect us from distraction. And I pray that you would speak to us about a subject that can be very easy, easily misunderstood or obsessed about. And so I pray, God, that your wisdom would come and you'd speak to each of our hearts the way that you can when we pray. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, if you're new, I do want you to know this. This is not a subject we talk about all the time, but it's an important subject because it helps us understand some of the things in life. Unfortunately, today in the modern world, we try to give um, medical and social explanations for the things that we call evil. We always try to do that. But there are some things that, that can't be explained away medically or even because of social structures. There certainly is manifest evil in the world today. We see this with mass shootings. You look back at the, the, the characters involved with the Holocaust, that was evil. Um, serial killers, I mean, there's just, it could go on and on. Evil exists in the world today, and there are influences behind the evil taking place in people's lives. And we, we need to have a better understanding of what's happening around us and be equipped with certain ways of prayer so that we know how to navigate through those times. 
So we're in a new series we started last week called Wayfinder, Prayer as Our Guide, and we're using a metaphor to frame what prayer can be for us. And so if you go back in time into history and you go to those unfortunate days of slavery, if you were to spend some time on one of those old plantations, you would hear day after day songs sung by slaves. We now call them the old slave spirituals. These songs were passed on from generation to generation, and because slaves were not allowed to go to school or learn to read, this is one way that the um, important stories from the Bible or stories of, that included values um, and ideals were passed on from generation to generation. But these songs also contained in them hidden messages, instructions about how to free from slavery and make their way north to the northern states that were safe or to Canada. And so last week, I played you an older version um, of Follow the, the Drinking Gourd, which is a direct metaphor for the Big Dipper, which was meant to be a reminder that in the night sky, when slaves were escaping slavery, they were to look north, and what does the Big Dipper do? It points to the, the North Stars part of it. It points north towards freedom. There's other songs like Wait in the Water. You can look it up later today if you'd like. Wade in the Water is a song that has direct reference to how you evade being captured. So there were bounty hunters that would chase down runaway slaves and they often had uh, bloodhounds with them. And one way to get their scent off of you or to evade capture is that you would hide in the water, you would move through the water, you'd use the water to avoid capture. So imagine this for a moment. You're a runaway slave, you, don't, you have no resources, you don't have anyone to help you you're off on your own, you're in a wilderness, and all you have in your mind, in your heart, are these songs you learn to memory with instruction about how to make your way through. That's all they had. <clears throat> now, prayer can be like that. There are times in our lives where we face different wildernesses that we don't know how to deal with what's in front of us. Grief is one of those times. Sometimes we have big decisions to make and we just don't know how to make them. Prayer is our way through. And so we're wanting to put some of these prayers to memory so that when the time comes, we can use these and we can, God, more importantly, God can use these things to guide us towards greater hope and love and truth. Now, one of those wilderness times is when we're in a season of spiritual warfare or a moment where we're facing transcendent evil. So today I wanna to talk to you about authoritative prayer. An authoritative prayer is calling on the will of the Father, the will of God, to be present on earth. God's good will to be present on earth. There's always a, a difference. God is working. God's kingdom is invading this earth, but this world is also dark and broken. So authoritative prayer is calling on the will of God to be present on earth. It's a tool that we use that comes from the authority of Jesus. And so we use authority. It's why it's called authoritative prayer. We use the authority of Jesus, the authority of heaven, to make things true here on earth. We command certain things to be done. And authoritative prayer, listen to this, always leads to greater freedom and joy. Okay, so you need to remember that. That is the result. It leads to freedom in our lives and other people's lives and to greater joy. And it's what we use when we're in spiritual battle. Now, to give us an idea of the scope of, of uh, authoritative prayer, I want to give you two passages today, and I want to read them both. The first occurs in Mark chapter 9. It's a story where Jesus engages in spiritual warfare and uses authoritative prayer, and he's teaching his disciples. And the second passage occurs in Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul, who's a great teacher, is trying to help people like us understand that there's always more going on than just what we see with our eyes or hear with our ears. All right, so let's go to Mark chapter 9. Can follow along in your Bible, or the, it'll also be on the screen behind me. Verse 17, 
By the way, there's an argument taking place between the spiritual leaders who Jesus will get after here in a moment, as he often did, and his disciples in a crowd. So we're coming on when this crowd's in this discussion. Verse 17. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, <clears throat> I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes at the teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to give, to drive out that spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how, shall, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring me to the boy. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. By the way, did you see that? The spirit recognized Jesus. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has this been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or into water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible, possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father explained, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Which, by the way, is another great prayer. That's how we all pray, right? Lots of questions, lots of doubts. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked and convulsed in him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many thought he was dead, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. So what Jesus is saying here is there are some problems in the world that can only be solved spiritually. You need spiritual resources, spiritual power to, to handle certain things. And I'll admit, this is a very, very strange story, especially for modern Americans. How many of you, however, have traveled to Asia, Africa, South America, to one of those other continents? Raise your hand, okay? I can tell you that if you spend any time there, any significant period of time, you will encounter things like this. It's very present in those cultures. Uh, there's different ways that people try to explain why it's not present here in the U.S. I think one of the main reasons is Satan just likes to make people think he doesn't exist. I mean, it's one of his tactics that you don't have an enemy, that uh, he, we would be distracted in other things. But this is a strange story for us. If we were ever to experience anything like this, it would be very, very weird. But we have friends in other parts of the world that experience this all the time. A few years ago, I was uh, teaching at a leadership conference in Uganda. We were in rural Uganda. There were hundreds of leaders. It was amazing. I mean, talk about packing a church. Uh, they, they have a balcony at this church, and the entire time, I'm just terrified that it's going to cave in because... They don't worship the way we do. They're bouncing around, right? They literally lift up their chairs and hold it in the air when they like the song or what the pastor is saying. <clears throat> We've attached the chairs to each other so that you can't do that because we know that it's a rowdy crowd around here. <laughs> Boulder County people get crazy. <clears throat> but while I was preaching, um, and by the way, my oldest son, Cole, was, was with me on that trip, and he was in the room. He's sitting over here to my right. He was about 13 at the time. And in the middle of one of my messages, a, a woman stood up in the middle of the crowd and began to scream and shriek and got, came out of the row and started charging the stage. And um, there were some people there that were ready for this kind of thing, and, the, and they, they grabbed her, and they kind of, as gently as they could, took her out of the building. 
And Cole looked at me and he's like, what the heck is happening? And I'm thinking, we are not in Lafayette right now, buddy. <laughs> she was demon possessed. And what is what often happens in that church and other churches like that, these people are tormented and so they go to churches because they hear that there can be some relief that comes through prayer. They want help. And I'm so glad my son saw it that day. It's, it's quite a way to continue in your message when something like that happens, but I was glad that Cole got to see it. By the way, a few days later, uh, that lady showed up to one of the other sessions of that leader, leadership conference in her right mind. She was cared for by that church. So I just say that just, you know, just because we don't experience it all the time doesn't mean it's not real, doesn't mean it, it didn't happen, doesn't mean that the Bible, soul, fashion, it's using old explanations to describe new, modern, uh, modern things. So these things still take place today. I want you to remember this, though, that Jesus is saying some things only come out in prayer, right? That's an important phrase we're going to come back to as we end. All right, now let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. So the Apostle Paul understands these things. He lives in the world that Jesus lives in. Uh, Paul's probably had encounters with demons before. And Paul is trying to help churches just like ours understand the use of authoritative prayer in spiritual battle. And this is one of those famous passages. I'm not gonna spend a ton of time taking you through all the, the armor of God. We have a series here on, on our website, in the book of Ephesians. We have teaching on this. If you're interested, you can go to it. But I do wanna read through it because I want you to see that this is the same battle. Verse 10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and, <clears throat> excuse me, and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So what he's not saying here is that there isn't physical evil in the world, but he's saying there's more than that. There's something behind it all. Okay, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take your stand, stand your ground. And after you have done that, done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can use to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me, for whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And so Paul here is using the metaphor of battle and armor to describe what is actually taking place. And he said, hey, there's a battle happening that's not with people, it's not uh, with governments, but there's another battle taking place that's behind many of those things. And look at what his encouragement is, to pray. Use the imagery of the breastplate of righteousness or the sword of truth. This is how we do battle. We use God's truth. We seek God. We use his peace. But he's saying pray, pray that you might be protected. Pray to protect yourself because you are under attack. Pray in the spirit on all occasions. Be alert and pray because you have an enemy. Pray for each other because we're all in a battle. And so he's saying the same thing. Learn to pray with authority. Learn to pray with authority when you face these things. And it's a little more subtle because he's not describing a boy that's demon-possessed or someone charging the stage. He starts, he's describing the schemes of Satan to deceive, okay? That's part of the battle. 
or the lies that we let into our life that we believe. And he said, we use authoritative prayer to come against those things. So this is what I'd like to do with the time left. I want to show you three things that are important when you, when you want to pray this way, things, things, three things that are needed. The first is we need discernment. The second is we need a resolve to fight and not surrender. And number three, we need to use spiritual authority and understand it for actually our prayers to actually work. All right, so I'm gonna take you through all of these. So um, the first one is that we need discernment. Now, discernment is a word that often gets used in churches, but it's present everywhere in life. It's not just a spiritual uh, gift. Discernment is the ability to see what's really happening, what's really going on. It's the ability to see how some things are connected. Often people use the word prudence to describe discernment, how one thing connects to another, things play out. So good leaders often have a lot of discernment. They're able to see what the real problems are. They're able to see what the real causes behind certain problems are. They don't get distracted by smaller things. <clears throat> they have discernment to know when to act, when not to act. They're really good with timing. Uh, good parents, by the way, have discernment. They're, they're aware of what's happening in their home with each of their kids. They're aware of what's happening with all of the relationships in a home. Because then there are a lot of relational dynamics taking place if you have more than two people in your home right? So parents have discernment. It's ability to understand. During World War II, General Eisenhower in large part was chosen because of his discernment to be the leader of the, uh, you know, the allied, allied armies and in their invasion of Europe. He had a deep understanding of the scope of war, what, the coordination that was needed to take place, how uh, communication needed to work, all of these things, logistics, communication, geography, weather, all of those things were going to play into a successful invasion on the, on the Fr French beaches, but also a successful invasion of Germany. And so he was chosen because of his discernment. Now, spiritual discernment is the ability to see what's happening around us spiritually, it's the ability to understand the real influences behind certain things and that there are certain players present in the world besides just the people that we're interacting with. Spiritual discernment is like a radio frequency that we tune into to hear what's present, but you need some help to hear it. Or it's, um, you know, there's, there's different spectrums of light that we can't see unless we put certain lenses on. Do you know that? They're always present. Discernment is the same way in the spiritual, spiritual realm. It allows us to see what is there. It allows us to see the schemes, the lies. C.S. Lewis, one of the great writers about just about every subject has to do with Christianity, said this about good and evil. He said, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God or counterclaimed by Satan. By the way, all spiritual power comes from one of those two sources. It either comes from God or from Satan. Spiritual power and influences are everywhere. The spiritual realm includes angels and demons, and it certainly includes Satan. We're told in the book of Isaiah that long ago, by the way, Satan and the angels and the demons are all created beings. There was a rebellion that took place. Out of pride and just rebellion against God, Satan and some of the angels came against him. God cast them down, and they've been living and dwelling and active upon the earth ever since. The devil is the wisest, most influential created being in the world besides God. So we have a healthy respect 
for an intelligence that knows every language. It knows every human pattern. It knows often our history. But we don't tremble because the one that is with us, the one that dwells with us, within us, God through the Holy Spirit, is greater than the evil that is in this world. Now, one reason modern people get uncomfortable thinking about the notion of Satan and demons is we just don't like the idea of thinking that there's any absolute good in the world, right? So how could there be some, like, something that's just absolutely evil and dangerous? Not every medical or social um, explanation describes everything that happens. You know, I'm really glad that in our country today, the issue of mental health is getting so much um, attention because it's a real issue. I mean, a lot of times there's a lot going on in people. There's, there's medical things going on. There's spiritual things going on. I'll tell you what, Satan is advantageous. Anytime there's some mental health taking place, he gets in there and he adds to it. And he becomes a power behind those destructive voices. You know, I, but one of the bummers is that we try to explain everything away medically. And so if, if you just do the, the, the terrible task of reading some of the words from some of these mass shooters of what was taking place inside of them. It sounds like someone's talking to them. Of course, they're hearing voices, but there's an evil influence behind these things. See, Jesus and Paul are trying to help us see that we need to be discerning that there's more going on in the world than just what we can see or hear. But this requires a lot of wisdom because we're not trying to be alarmist or run around obsessed by this reality, we need to proceed with, with wisdom and caution. So there's lots of wisdom needed. There's lots of different fields that help people. Richard Foster says it this way. He says, we must never become so enamored by the spiritual world that we think every jot and tittle of life is caused by supernatural activity. By the way, those people are really, really weird and they're hard to talk to about your problems. Because there's no wisdom, they're not thinking. He's tried to explain everything away this way. But look what else he says. He says, nor should we be so taken in by naturalistic assumptions of the modern society that we fail to see the marking of the transcendent. So both can be mistakes. So Paul's saying to this young church, be aware that Satan's working. He's always working. Have discernment. Teach your children to be discerning. Okay, I want to tell you a couple stories about how the discernment of my mother has paid off in my life a couple times. So I was nine years old, <clears throat> and um, the way my mom describes it is she noticed after several weeks that I hadn't been sleeping very well. And so she asked me, she said, why, what's the problem? Like, why are you so disturbed at night? Why is it, are you having a hard time falling asleep or, or going back to sleep when you wake up? And I, I can remember this, I can remember at nine years old being a little embarrassed to say, I think there's something evil in the hallway. And um, my mom probably thought, well, he's just like every little kid. They're scared of the dark, which I was a little bit, but this was different. And um, so she just said, you know, it's okay, honey. Our, you know, the doors are locked. Mom and dad are here. It's safe. You're okay. Well, uh, this continued, and so she began to pray for me. And my mom, at the time, was a new Christian, and she had been to a Bible study with some ladies where they studied this subject, and, and it just occurred to her, the Spirit was speaking to her, maybe something more is going on at night that Brian is experiencing. And so she, said, she asked me some more questions, and I just said, I just, 
have the sense that something is out there and something is bothering me in my room at night. And so my mom did something amazing. Rather than saying, I'm gonna stay in your room with you and I'm gonna take care of this, she said, I want you to do this. Said, if you ever experience something evil, I want you to pray. And I want you to pray this way. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to come in the room, the spirit of peace and love and joy. And then I want you to speak into that darkness and say, I rebuke you or I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. And at the time for a little boy, I'm thinking, you're teaching me some magic spell. Yes, <clears throat> to fight this battle. It's like Harry Potter, right? But it's not like that. It wasn't like that. Because what I was doing is calling on the authority of heaven, the authority of Jesus to come into that room. And so my mom taught me that. A few nights later, I woke up, and I'm not even gonna try to describe it to you because it was terrifying, but something was standing in my doorway. And I was glad to finally see it. Because before, I just had a sense that something was happening. I thought, God, I'm just scared of everything. But there, there he was. And I prayed with a trembling voice and asked the Holy Spirit to come into the room. And then I looked right at him and I said, I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. And he left. And he left. And he never came back to my room. But I can tell you that night, I never went back to sleep. Because <clears throat> I was a scary little boy. But I'm so glad my mom had the discernment to know that something more was happening in my room and she taught me how to be discerning and to use the prayer of authority. I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. Now let me tell you another story. This took place just a few months ago. Back in October, uh, I was attending a conference in Portland and the conference was happening later in the week and and so uh, I, was, I was headed out before the conference. I was visiting some other churches and some pastors there because the spiritual environment of Portland is similar to Boulder. So pastors learn from each other in those places. But Elise came with me for the first few days. And so she stayed the first two nights with me. And uh, I can just remember, I, I, I was aware that something, you know, I just, my spirit was, was sensitive. Like there's a lot of spiritual influences in this city. Um, I felt a little uneasy the entire time. Well, she flew home on, on Tuesday, and Tuesday night, the first night I'm in the hotel by myself, uh, I'm, I'm woke up in the middle of the night, and there in my room are two demons. You know, it's, it sounds crazy to even, I mean, me hearing myself even saying these things sounds crazy. But there they were, one on the left in the wall, and the other one up in the corner of the room. And... Um, I'm so glad my mom put a prayer in my heart long ago. <clears throat> and I asked the spirit to fill the room and I commanded the spirits to leave and they left. And this time I went back to sleep and slept like a baby. Because <laughs> I'm not afraid anymore. But it doesn't matter <clears throat> because what works is the power of God, the authority of God in those places. So I'm just curious, how many of you have ever had an experience with what we could just call transcendent evil, demon or Satan, just some kind of experience, raise your hand. Okay, so a lot, a lot of the room. I hope the rest of you never do, but it can happen. And so we need discernment to know that there's more going on. Second thing we need is we need a resolve to fight the battle, but specifically we need resolve to fight the right, the correct battle. Ephesians 6, 12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers 
of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, we can make two mistakes. We can make the mistake of just surrendering, saying this thing doesn't take place, or we can make the mistake of mislabeling the fight and fighting the wrong battle. Now, here's why this is an important point in using spiritual authority. More often than not, uh, the battle taking place around us is much more subtle, okay? Um, It's a hidden battle. It's an insidious battle. It's a battle for our hearts and minds. Uh, We're told that Satan is the great deceiver. It's his top um, strategy, even more than scaring people. It's to deceive people. And so more often than not, you're not going to have a Portland hotel room experience or the experience that Jesus and the disciples had in the passage that we have. What we're just going to have is we're going to have that Satan is present trying to deceive us. So Ephesians 6, we're told to be aware of the schemes. This is part of discernment. This is the battle we fight. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's, what, his schemes, his tricks, his deception. Just false narratives that we put on ourselves and think, yeah, this is, this is true of me when it's not. Verse 16, you use these different gifts that we have to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. He will send lies towards us. <clears throat> so there's spiritual evil behind a lot of these things. And it's behind the insidious thing. So it's not just the personal things taking place inside of us. Societal evil it, um, it is, is reinforced. It's powered by spiritual darkness. So Richard Foster in his book, Prayer, says this. And I think this really describes in wisdom that there are lots of problems. There's layers to the problems. And Satan is influencing these things. Said this. Behind absentee landlords or ghetto apartments are the spiritual forces of greed and avarice. In back of unreason and excess resistance to the gospel message are demonic forces of disobedience and distraction. By the way, do you think any of that exists in Boulder? Underneath the organized structures of injustice and oppression are principalities of privilege and status. Think any of that exists in Boulder? Aiding and abetting the sexual violence and race hate and child molestation that are such a part of modern society are diabolical powers of destruction and brutality. In authoritative prayer, we are engaged in warfare of the spirit against the kingdom of darkness. Now, does this mean that all we do is pray? No, that's why we have police officers and we have protection. And it's why we, we vote for just laws. It's why we're generous and we care for the poor. It's why as bosses or employers, we do everything we can to, to live in such a way that it leads to peace for all people. We do all these things. But you know what else we do? We pray because there's evil behind those things. Every um, moment of great reform in this country, every one of them, you can go back and study where people's lives were really changed. Like social change took place in a way that led to peace and God's shalom. There was, uh, there was a spiritual movement of prayer and revival behind it and before it. Every one of them. Because people were praying against these things. Guess what happens when you pray against these things? You get activated to go care for the poor. Or to elect better leaders or whatever it is. So there's lots of things. You know, all these 
things that are part of our society, but there's things in our own life that are always influencing us. You know, every one of us has adopted destructive vows. So we make, we say certain things to ourselves, like I'm not good enough, or no one could ever love me, or I have to perform to be loved. Or here's a vow that's very common today, you can't trust anyone. Okay, these are destructive vows. Spiritual authority is praying against those things as well, breaking them. Those are lies enforced by Satan. John Mark Comer in his book, Live No Lies, he says, the problem isn't so much that we tell lies, but we, that we live them. We let them into our bodies and they sabotage our peace. All around us is a culture, all around us in the culture and deep within our own body are memories and lies. Deceptive ideas that wreak havoc on our emotional health and spiritual well-being and deceptive ideas about who God is and who we are and what the good life truly is. Certainly true. Bible also talks about like generational curses. And it's not so much like a curse, like you've been cursed by someone, but there's a reason that children struggle with the things their parents struggle with. There's a reason addiction gets passed on. Satan's advantageous. He gets in the midst of that brokenness and our own struggles and our own insecurities and he powers it. And those things need broken. And so that's why, you know, like when people just say, hey, I'm just gonna pray against this addiction, I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried because I'm like, hey, you, you need to be in your 12-step group also. But prayer is part of recovery. Do you know that? If you spend time in 12 steps, you're gonna learn to pray a lot and pray against things and ask God for help to be reshaped. So there's generational curses we pray against. There's dysfunctional behavior in our own life. One of the most common strongholds that people have today that I've noticed as a pastor is just unforgiveness. So unforgiveness comes naturally. Staying bitter, wanting to get even, just comes naturally for us as people. And we were so you know, addicted to fairness and you know, I, we all understand this. But Satan is behind unforgiveness and he's gonna keep whispering in your ear saying, oh yeah, don't forgive that person. This isn't really harming you. But really what's happening is there's poison inside that's robbing you of your peace and joy. It's keeping you from living. Second Corinthians chapter 10, so Paul's teaching again now to a different church. He's trying to help us see this is the battle. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's a way to describe authoritative prayer. Spiritual power to demolish strongholds. Now, I've told you a few crazy stories. Um, I've got a couple more today, if we have enough time. You know, I've been a Christian for 32 years, and I probably only have about a dozen stories like that. A dozen of them. I wish I had zero, but I have about a dozen. And when those things have happened, I've prayed this prayer. I've asked God's will to be done. I've spoke with authority into darkness, okay? I prayed that prayer a few times. But I've prayed the prayer of authority thousands of times. But usually I'm praying over lies that I'm thinking or things that I'm struggling with or things that other people are struggling with, lies that they're believing. A few years ago, I went through this season where I was, I, I'm not a jealous person at all, but I, for about two months, I was just jealous. And, I, and you know, I can't describe the entire thing, but I just was consumed with jealousy. 
and anger. And I, can, I was aware enough to know, like, this is a new thing, and nothing has happened in my life. And God gave me discernment, like something is happening. I'm being attacked in a certain way, and I spent uh, several days, set, set apart time, and I just asked God to free me from that, and guess what happened? It happened. We're all under attack all the time, but we need to know the battle that we're fighting. And so we use discernment. We have the will to fight the right battle, the battle of lies, the battle in our minds. And then lastly, we just need a good understanding of spiritual authority. And so this is the best way I, I can describe it, and I've described this, this way to my boys. There's nothing special about us that, that makes Satan or demons or, or darkness listen to us. Nothing. But there's a lot special about God. And Jesus has been filled with all authority, and we're told that he has shared that authority with us. And so in 1 Peter chapter 3, we see of Jesus' authority. He who has gone into heaven and sits at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and power in submission to him. But Jesus was really, really clear to share that authority with us. And so there are a number of passages like Luke chapter 9. You can see it behind me. When Jesus sent out the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all kinds of demons and cure diseases. He gives us authority. It's the authority of heaven shared with us. Now, you have to know that it's being shared with you. If not, we will become prideful and overly confident. <clears throat> the power comes from dependence and trust and staying connected to God. And so authority is passed on to us. And so that's why it's really just so important that you're nurturing your relationship with God, that you're with him, that you're allowing God to speak to you, to speak words of love to you that you're seeking to obey him because it's in that connection, it's in loving union, it's within that relationship that he shares so many things with us, healing and hope and vision. But you know what else he shares with us? He shares authority with us. He shares authority with us. And so understanding where authority comes from is, is important. Uh, many years ago now, Gene Aaron and I spent some time, uh, by the way, if you're not part of Cornerstone, Gene and Aaron are other pastors here at, at the church. Um, we were having some interactions with a family that was a part of our, our community. They had a son that was 17, and he was just going through a lot of things, and, and you, it would be accurate to describe some of the things he was going through were, were mental illness. Uh, he had started using drugs, and it had kind of triggered a bunch of things inside of him. He had got off those drugs but a lot of the negative thoughts and things that were taking place in his mind didn't stop. And so they were at that scary place where he was talking about harming himself and that he was, it was dark. It was really, really dark. And so we, we always pray for people. We pray that God would, would bring healing. We pray that the counselor, counseling sessions would work. We pray that the medicines prescribed, prescribed by the doctors would work. Um, we were encouraging his sobriety, which he was pursuing, but there was still more going on. There was another layer. And so we were aware there was a spiritual layer. And I don't know what came first. I don't know if it was mental illness, the drugs, or the spiritual attack. I don't know what came first. It doesn't matter because they were all there. They're all apart. And so um, he was desperate enough that he let three pastors pray for him. And so he came into the office and we sat around and we just assured him like, hey, buddy, we love you, we're for you, God loves you. Um, we tried to explain some of the things that were, might be taking place in his life and what we we're gonna do. And we just began to gently and quietly pray against anything Satan was doing in his life. 
And we prayed against the vows that he may have accepted, the judgments that he has placed on himself, the shame that he had from some of the mistakes that he had made, that Satan was using. We prayed against all of those things. And, um, but more importantly, what we did when we were done praying is we taught him how to pray. We taught him how to do battle in his own mind. When he would hear the voice saying, you're worthless, that's not, my, that's not God's voice. That's an enemy. We taught him how to pray. And um, I can tell you that there was some immediate relief, which is always neat to see that God would work in that time. But uh, as the months went on, we would hear from this young man that learning to pray this way was changing his life. And you know what's amazing about that? Not only did God kind of free him, uh, not kind of, God did free him from some of those negative thoughts, but you know what he gets to carry with him the rest of his life? That God is present, that God loves him, and that prayer works. He gets to carry that message with him the rest of his life, which is an incredible gift. And I know he shared that with many of his own friends. Which hearing that from a friend is much more powerful than hearing it from a pastor at a church. And so what he learned is he learned that he has some authority and he learned to use it in the right way at the right time. And it uh, has led to just more health in his life. All right, so I wanna close today by just uh, asking you a couple questions and then I wanna, I wanna pray this prayer together. But I want to ask you this, are, are there certain things in your life that can only be removed with prayer? Could it be that something is going on in your life, could be your own personal life or something happening in your family, and it's, you hear the words of Jesus, this kind can only come out in prayer. Or maybe you hear the words of Paul, Paul be alert and pray and continue to pray, all right? Could there be things like that? Could there be certain strongholds that are present in your life, whether it's addiction and prayer certainly will be part of your recovery. Or could it be those vows that you've spoken over yourself that certainly God does not agree with? Or could it be the judgment spoken by other people? A lot of times the strongholds we have in our life are things that negative things parents or older people in our past have said to us that maybe they didn't mean to be destructive, but they are. They're labels that are on us. Those are strongholds. Those things can be broken. How about wounds from the past? We have a lot of people here that come to Cornerstone because we, we're, we have a lot of resources to help people recover emotionally from the wounds from the past. And one of the things that we want people to know is that you are damaged right now, but you are not ruined. And healing is possible. So could there be things that could only come out in prayer? And one Sunday, and a prayer is not gonna be enough, but this is something that you weave into your conversation with God day after day. You pray with authority the things that you're experiencing around you and the things that you know that are happening inside of you. It's an incredible gift. It's one of those maps that we memorize that makes, helps us get through the wilderness. All right, worship team, you guys can come out. I wanna invite you all to stand and I wanna pray this prayer together. Again, um, this is a prayer that you can receive through our text line or you can send us an email. We'll be glad to send it to you. There's nothing special about the prayer. What's special is the person that hears it. God hears this prayer and he's, he's generous and he cares for us. And so I want to read it. You can just pray it silently as I read along. In the strong name of Jesus Christ, I stand against the world, the flesh, and the devil. I resist every force that would seek to distract me from my center in God. I reject the disordered concepts and ideas that make sin plausible and desirable. 
I oppose every attempt to keep me from knowing full fellowship and love with God. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I speak directly to the thoughts, emotions, and desires of my heart and command you to find your satisfaction in the infinite variety of God's love rather in the bland diet of sin. I call upon the good, the true, and the beautiful to rise up within me and evil to subside. I ask for an increase of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And by the authority of Almighty God, I tear down Satan's strongholds in my life, in the lives of those I love, and in the society in which I live. I take into myself the weapons of truth, righteousness, peace, salvation, the word of God and prayer. And I command every influence to leave You have no right here, and I allow you no point of entry into my life. I ask for an increase of faith, hope, and love, so that by the power of God, it may increase, and that I can be a light set on a hill, causing truth and justice to flourish. These things I pray for the sake of him who loves me and gave himself for me. In the name of Jesus, our Messiah, amen. All right, let's worship together.